Johnny's got a gun. Yeah, there it is. Trim just to his size. <laughs> Fifteen with all phalanges. Fifteen in life to go. Hey, friends. Thank you for listening to the Presidential Podcast Season 5. We're calling it Historically Adjacent. We no longer are really talking about presidents. So if you just jumped in wanting to know about presidents, go listen to the first two, th- uh, three seasons? Three seasons. Yeah, three seasons. Yeah. There's we, uh, a president in my story tonight. There, uh, There's a very significant American event in mine. Not a United <laughs> States president. Just like oh, someone with the title. Of that's president. like okay. El Presidente. El president. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Ryan. Joined yeah, there, as always by Blaine There's a margarita in my story. I, I'm fine with that. Chilies. Uh, we're glad you're listening. <laughs> and uh, we've gone through, what was it, 21,000 pages of presidential biographies. Sure was. Sure was. Life legacies and little known facts about every American president, minus Trump and Biden. Then... We uh, did a host of bonus episodes of other American figures, and then we did season one of American Gladiators, you which know was funny? a good time. So we trudged yes, through that. Yeah, we did. Uh, presidentially adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I was at the Benjamin Harrison home Yeah, for the Wicked World of Croquet. Here in Indy, where we Here all are. Yeah. And um, it's a really fun event. Like, it sounds dumb. It's a croquet tournament. You're supposed to wear all white. <laughs> It reminds me of like the right guard commercials from the 90s with Scottie Pippen. Uh-huh. He's like, anything else would be uncivilized. Oh, I remember those. But yeah. Yeah. And then Grey Poupon. Uh-huh. It's one of my favorite events of the year. <laughs> it's so much fun. Anybody that comes like within their first game of croquet, they're like, I don't know what this, this is. This seems fun, but croquet. And I'm like, nope, give it a shot. Within like two wickets, you're going to get wildly competitive. It's never failed. Like people are like, yeah. all right, I'm coming for your throat. How many people are on a team in croquet? Two. How do you okay. play croquet? You hit a ball with a mallet through wickets. And, and the, the mallet is heavier just, than you would think. We did yeah. this on uh, on Indy Now. We had a rep from the Benjamin yeah. Harrison. And home. there's like a specific. And the wicket are, wickets are the curved. Yeah, they're yeah. like uh, chicken Tunnels. wire almost. Yep. And you have to hit Horseshoes. it like through a specific pattern through the wickets. So there's one, two, three, four. Three. There's six wickets per course. Okay. And you have to go through the course twice. How well, do they know how to set up the wickets? Who sets up the wickets? The staff, volunteers, the the amazing volunteers that volunteer for this event every year. And if you have any any interest in volunteering for the croquet tournament, please email presequential at gmail.com. We will get you, set you up. We will set you up with a volunteer assignment. It is so much fun. It's in August of every year. And one of the guys that was at the event, and I'm not going to like put him on blast here because he's a, like you would know who he is. Okay. He runs a, uh, venue locally yeah came up to me and he was like i just started listening to your podcast oh and i was like oh that's really cool um do you like presidents or what and he was like no i love american gladiators <laughs> yeah i was like Yay. you started listening to the podcast because of american <laughs> gladiators four? and he was like yeah dude and then i that's found like- out about the presidential part and i was, <laughs> I was explaining to him about how the new season is going to be but i was like that's really cool you're literally the only one that joined because of the gladiators and also we saw like a huge dip in our numbers cool. <laughs> because we went that direction so it's really exciting yeah. to know someone liked it that's great so that's shout funny. out to him our our mystery uh, yeah. new fan uh anyway now what we're doing we're bringing a story to the table that the other two members have never heard it is, gosh, who have we talked about in the past? Uh, this is our now third episode of season five. Yeah. So we talked about like the shark arm case. 
Yeah, we oh, talked about right. uh, North uh, Sentinel the guy Island. that like paid his way into the NASCAR race. Yes, yeah. oh, their Beavers, Beaver Falls, the Beaver Drop. Yeah, um, uh, there was the Titanic Baker. Uh-huh. Oh, the yeah. horse that could uh, the tell you if you're a harlot. Somebody was a harlot. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, the Mighty Adam. The Mighty Adam. The Mighty Adam. Yeah, yeah we talked about it. So very um, the Baker. We very Baker. niche people yeah. who really do deserve and think, the island. That was oh, the yeah. North Sentinel North Island. Sentinel so, Island. So, so now we've recapped the first two episodes. So literally it has – but it is kind of cool to think, okay, who was president during the time that this story was happening. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how oh. we're tying it to our original journey. That's exactly right. how we're tying that's it. That's exactly yeah. how we're tying it. <laughs> now. Um, so my first story today for the two of you and, and the two of you listening uh, – <laughs> is about the youngest non-commissioned officer in the history of the United States Army. Oh, the oh. like 11-year-old from the Civil War? Here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. I know exactly who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is I, I, I actually found this story on Instagram, and I realized after I did some digging that you and I follow the same account. Oh. So if you have heard this, it's because uh, it was on some history thing on, on Instagram. All right. So this is the story of John Lincoln Clem. Okay. C-L-E-M. Otherwise known as Johnny Shiloh. Which Johnny Shiloh. Johnny Shiloh. Yeah, uh-huh. just a, a good good nickname. Is it because he was at Shiloh? Well, oh. uh, you're getting a little ahead of me, but we'll get there. Uh, so he was born on August 13th, 1851. He lived until May of 1937. So he was born in Newark, Ohio, which I think is Ohio tied with Virginia for the uh, the number of presidents that came from that state, or is Ohio the number one? Producer Russ, could you look that it's up? It's either Tide yeah. or Ohio's number two. I think they both have eight, if I'm not mistaken. Can we do this right now? Did you say Newark, Ohio? Just Ohio in general. But yes, I did say Newark. Um, That's not Newark. Which I think is north of Columbus, I believe. I'm not looking that up. Okay. Can you name the presidents from Ohio? Actually, Russ, pull that up, and then we'll see how well Blaine and I can do on that. Um, Wait, what am I looking up? You're going to look up <laughs> presidents from Ohio. All right. Well, versus presidents from Virginia. In order to be like based on this definition, it has to, they have to be born there, correct? Correct. They don't have to have lived there. That's correct. So it's both built. Uh, well, so uh, Benjamin Harrison. Benjamin Harrison. Yes. Um, uh, uh, Grant Taft. Taft uh, uh, was McKinley. Whoa, whoa, whoa! He was Who, from Ohio. Taft, Taft wasn't born in Ohio. No, not Taft. Who's the one that has the uh, celebration in South America? Oh, uh, Hayes. Hayes. Yep. Who I always think you forget about, right? Yeah. Whenever uh, I'm doing the order, yeah. yeah. Garfield? Yep. Yeah. Um, McKinley? Yep. Harding? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, let's think about this. Why are you getting all of them? I got Benjamin Harrison, <laughs> all right? Uh, anyway, Russ is going to Benjamin Harrison. Did you say Grant? I did say Grant. Okay. How many are we at? Uh, you're missing one. And do you know who that one is? Well, clearly not. Hold Otherwise, on. We'll wait. Modern? It. Is it a modern president? No. No. Okay. No, no. All the Ohio presidents no. are old. Who was it? William Howard Taft. Oh, wait. I was, said Taft. He did say I know. Taft. Yeah, I know. You were just messing with us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That was and impressive. Now, can, you, can you now do Virginia? Ugh. How many were from Virginia? Yeah. Jefferson, William Hold Henry on. Harrison. <laughs> Shut up. James Madison. <laughs> wrong. Shut up. You're all wrong. <laughs> John Tyler. Okay, start <laughs> over. Okay. There's so many. <laughs> Jefferson, right. William Henry Harrison, Madison, Tyler. Um, mm-hmm. So Ohio's number two. Madison, is, Madison isn't one. Madison isn't from Virginia? Oh, no. He was probably not born here oh, at all. Oh, that's right. He's buried at Mount Pelia, though. Correct. 
Okay. Do you want to know who they are? I would yeah. like to know, Because I wasn't even paying attention to what you are saying. Yeah. George Washington, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, James Monroe, William Henry Harrison, okay. John Tyler, Zachary Taylor, and Woodrow Wilson. Never would have gotten but, Zachary Taylor, nor uh, you'd mentioned James Monroe, which makes sense. Because I, 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 he's a lover. Washington was born here? Anywho. Well, there you go. We still didn't answer the question, who has more, Ohio or Hold Virginia? On. One, but... two, three, four, five, <laughs> six, seven. Thank you, Producer Russ. Back. <laughs> I was close with One, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They both so, have seven. Okay. I was close seven. with eight. I was close. Yeah. Woodrow yeah. Wilson. Uh, I forgot that he Look was Look at that from... recall we have. That was pretty good. That pretty was good. really good. Well, thank yeah. you. How um, many from Delaware? One. Do we have one from Delaware? Yeah, currently. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah you're right. that's right. <laughs> How ironic that I forgot about him. <laughs> I think got, he forgot about him. We got one him. Delaware, one Hawaii. Yeah. Multiple New Yorks, multiple Floridas, I think. Where's Jackson from? Tennessee. Uh huh. Johnson's from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, it's a, Illinois. Andrew Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And Andrew Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Be like Texas. Gerald Ford. <laughs> Jerry Ford from Michigan. Michigan, yeah. baby. Yeah. Your favorite. No, he's How many not, were from he's California? Not from Michigan. He's You're from right. Kansas. He was from Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Same with uh, uh, Hoover. He's from Iowa. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Iowa. Zach. Ten dollars. You remember yeah. that? Episode I was of just Save there. The I was just at the the Hoover Presidential Library. Hooverville, as some call it. Uh, I don't call it that. <laughs> How was that? Did you burn it down? Fascinating. Yeah. Did you drive really, a tank really over it? <laughs> <laughs> it was really, really good. Yeah. I mean was, it. It's right off the highway. Uh-huh. I wasn't intending to go there. I just saw a sign yeah. that it was the next exit. I'm like, well, I got to stop there. Yeah. Obviously. It was really good. It is crazy. It's like, cool. through people have asked me questions about presidents and stuff. And I've realized, like, there's that old trope, like, well, I forgot more about this than you ever knew. Mm. I genuinely feel that way about presidents. I've forgotten yeah. more yeah. random facts we learned about presidents sure. than most people knew about presidents. It's, oh, for sure. Honestly, it's interesting because since we stopped, I think we were so engrossed in the reading and the minutia of it that now I've been able to share more than I thought I'd be able to with people who were like, wow, you know a lot about presidents. It's like, yeah, but I like seeing the thread of how things are connected. Like, And that's kind of cool about what we're doing now where the, these little tiny stories do actually carry a little bit of meaning in our current day and age, which is kind of fun. I was struggling to think of the next book I was going to read before I started on the current journey I'm on, which yeah. we're not going to talk about. And I was looking at my bookshelf, and I had the grossest thought on the planet, because I was like, should I, should I go back through? <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, bananas. We came, well, we came out of the gate hard, though, with that Washington... Uh, which which Washington book did we read? No, I gave it like serious thought. I was That's, looking at it like I feel like I could do this again, and then I was like, "You're an idiot." You First are, yeah. of all, there's no way you could do that again. You, oh, let's go. <laughs> Why would you say the magic words? Come on. Who wrote the Washington book that we read? It was like that 963 so pages. That you just said that, Russ. <laughs> that is, yeah. I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight because you said that. Yeah. There's no way you could. Do oh, that. I hate you. <laughs> Who wrote the Washington one that we read? Like, now I'm going to have to do it out of spite. I'm gonna, like, and you know that. You yeah, know that. I do. That's I why you. I said it. Sure now. I answered yeah. my own question. Ugh. Okay. Back to Johnny Clem. <laughs> Damn it. The best. John Lincoln Clem. His mom died when he was nine years old. Um, Disney movie. In 1861. <laughs> so think about what's happening in 1861. His mom dies in a train accident. Lincoln's 
president. He then runs away from home. <gasps> Wait, oh. was she in the same train as uh, Franklin Pierce? Franklin Pierce? Oh. No. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Can't prove that she wasn't. Can't prove that she wasn't. 1861, he's nine years old. His mom dies tragically. He then runs off to become a Union Army drummer boy. He tries to enlist in the 3rd Ohio Infantry, but they looked at him and were just like, you're crazy, you're too small, go back home. Uh, So he tries to join the 22nd Michigan, which also refused him. I don't know if he went from Ohio all the way to Michigan or if he just was like, well, I'll just try the next guys. I guess it depends on what part of Ohio he's in. Newark, I think, is north of Columbus, I believe. Maybe maybe the Michigan folks were on their way down. Could have been. I have a funny Newark, Ohio story, but I don't know. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. So when I was touring with Straight No Chaser, we played Newark, and it was a situation. Yeah. On purpose. The burgeoning metropolis of Newark, Ohio. What? We we had a coworker once that. We thought that it was New Jersey. (laughs) What city did she fly to? (laughs) No, I I don't know. You know who I'm talking about. Sure. (laughs) I don't know uh, what. Yeah, no, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Right? I do. I know exactly. She who you're talking about. like accidentally flew to a city in Minnesota when she was supposed to be flying to like Arizona. That's great. It was because like, they both end in A's. No, because like the city name was the same. <laughs> she wasn't paying attention and landed and was like, "Why is it cold?" Like <laughs> that, what? Flagstaff, Minnesota. But it she had the ticket, right? You've met her, yeah. Oh. But not surprising. TSA. Do they just let you on planes? Hold on, I'll figure out. Enjoy your flight to Arizona. What? (laughs) Anyway, we were in Newark, and it was a situation where to save money, instead of spending the night, we just got just like day passes for the hotel. Just like, hey, go shower, get get back on the bus. We're going to go to the next one, whatever. Well, usually. (laughs) Wait a minute. Yes. Is that common practice for hotels to give out day passes um for this one they had a partnership with the performing arts venue where it was just like hey we'll give them a discounted rate if all they you're not going to stay in the room you're just going to use it for the shower the venue was a little bit smaller couldn't really accommodate the group of 10 guys got it anyway the the hotel rents out by the hour basically the hotel and all right (laughs) the venue couldn't handle 10 people don't worry about what happened (laughs) so usually there would just be a pile of like hotel keys where you just go. It would have the room on it. You'd go. You'd take there a shower. There was a key. There was a key. A okay, bowl. So this was not a hotel. It was a motel. No. It was a motel. This is a motel. Yeah. Usually our day rooms would be just right next door to each other. Just and it just kind of be going in and out. Usually you'd leave the latch so the next guy, if he forgot yeah, yeah, the key, yeah. wouldn't have to. So anyway, I had a key, but I saw that the door was latched. So I was like, all right, I'll just go on in. Someone has been in there before me because there was like. You know, it was a steamy kind of bathroom setting. I go in there. I'm doing <laughs> was my it thing. Steamy when you walked in. I am. Seems like it was. I'm I excited am, where this is going. I am. Uh, I have mistakenly entered someone else's room. Yeah, you did. And I find myself in a towel brushing my teeth in this bathroom, and in walk about four uh, college age women who are like, um. Who are you? (laughs) Oh, it wasn't your group at all. The other room was, I had gone left. I should have gone right. But what happened was, what had happened was, (laughs) my first words out of my mouth were, I promise I'm not a creeper. Please don't call the cops. And then my friend Don, who realized what was going on, he enters the room. He's like, ladies, is this man bothering you? (laughs) (laughs) Turns out one of them sang in like some acapella group at her school. Oh, she, with they were in town for like name, a sorority. A How did name. Don know what was? Was he just hanging out he the was, door as a creep? He could just hear like what's uh-huh. going. It was a motel, Russ. Yeah, and, and there was a, a room with thing. women next door, and Don had his ear up to the window. <laughs> turns, He's like, Is that right? Turns out 
they were there for some sorority Were they the thing. opening act? No. But oh, one of them was like, oh, you're in Straight No Chaser? That's so cool. I I've seen my- your Christmas song on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> your medley of your greatest hit. And uh, anyway, I'm like, hey, I'm going to wrap up really quick. I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Thank you for not calling the cops. We get back and we write them a letter. We give them like a merch bag in the mail. We have to make amends for this. And we were like, <laughs> we had the whole group sign it. <laughs> it was like, thank you for not reporting Ryan to the authorities. Anyway, that was Newark, Ohio, where John Lincoln Clem was born. Oh. That's my story. Okay. That's so, Newark, Ohio. Yeah, that's Newark, Ohio. <laughs> anyway, so the 22nd Michigan Infantry eventually adopts him as sort of their, their mascot and their drummer boy. And all the officers chip in to pay him a soldier's wage, uh-huh. which at that time was $13 a month. And Ooh. they allowed him to officially enlist, enlist two years later. So he was with them for a while. Again, he's now 11 years old. And he's a drummer boy. And he's Rudy. You're telling yeah. the story. He was too small. Nobody wanted Correct. him. And then they brought him on as a mascot. He was too small because he was 11, Russ. Well, we don't not, know how because old. he was like a small 18-year-old. How old was Rudy? Uh, Rudy. He was old enough. He was the appropriate age to be in college. There was a Maybe. there was a popular legend at the time that uh, he was serving at the Battle of Shiloh. <laughs> Some story was basically that a shrapnel shell went through his drum, knocked him unconscious, and he didn't stop. And he didn't stop drumming. They gave him the nickname Johnny Shiloh. What? But there's it's like when you cut a chicken's head off; like it keeps running. Yeah, it keeps running around. Yeah. But basically, his he, nerve endings were still firing. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Is he laying on the ground? I don't know. This was a legend. Yeah, so he, he technically did not serve at Shiloh, but there was a legend about this young little kid. So this he, goes back to the thing. Remember with the world's largest snowflake where it happened like during the Civil War? And I was yeah. like, did it, though? Did it. Or was it just like people were like, that shit was huge. Sorry, <laughs> <Yeah>. Russ. <laughs> I'll do it, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. Oh. Anyway, so much so that there became a popular Civil War song called The Drummer Boy of Shiloh based on this kid who was not even at Shiloh. So that's oh. kind of just comical and weird in, you know, in general. But anyway. It wasn't Little Drummer Boy, right? No, okay. but that would have been dope. No, For, but that was, was when he got hit by the shrapnel. All you could hear was pa-ra-pa-pum-pum. Got it. So he was actually at the big, uh, the Battle of Chickamauga. Oh, yeah. Refresh my memory. The bloodiest was, battle of the Civil War. Was Chickamauga in Tennessee? No. Where's well, Chickamauga? Georgia, Tennessee. Could you look well, that which, up, Producer Russ? Which one was James Garfield at? So was it's that either North Georgia or South Tennessee, which, I mean, South Tennessee is a stone's throw yeah. from North Tennessee. But yeah. Chickamauga is, I, I believe, the bloodiest battle of the Civil War. Which was the battle where, um, we talked about this, where, who was the World War II? Uh, that was a different war, right? His like, grandfather was the one who led up the hill oh that no that wasn't uh, no that was out uh that wasn't even the civil war that was the spanish-american war and that was all the way out in california it was in like palo alto okay i I know what you're talking about because that's the battle that uh the marines read on the side of their pants yes comes from that battle because there were grant and a bunch of other civil war generals lieutenants in that battle got it okay Cool. And I can't remember for the life of me what the that what that battle was, but that was the Spanish American War, the same okay. war where what's his name got his nuts crushed. Uh, Franklin Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Fainting Franklin is what yeah. they call him. Yeah. Rest. The Battle of Chickamauga. Yep. Was in southeastern Tennessee. Okay. And 
Northwestern Georgia. Hey, all right. Way to go. And oh. Newark, Ohio. <laughs> so, well, no. So if you're driving, there's a weird part if you're coming up, what is it, I-75. Okay. Where you enter Georgia, or you're if you're coming north on I-75, you yep. enter Tennessee, and then you're like kind of going through the mountains, and you go back into Georgia. It's right at, Ch- it's in Chattanooga. Okay. Actually, there was a president that James was in Garfield. the battle. Yeah, because yeah. he had that like famous ride where uh-huh. he rode across the battlefield yes. on his horse. Yes, yes, that was the Battle of Chickamauga. Okay, and I will say, if you ever drive through there, like at dawn, mm-hmm. it's always foggy because there's lakes and there's a mountain. Yeah, cool. And you can definitely sense this feels like a Civil War battlefield. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So he's there. He's now let's say eleven, maybe twelve. He did fight with the 22nd Michigan at, at Chickamauga. He is said to have ridden an artillery caisson to the front and wielded a musket trimmed to his size. And the Union, <laughs> there was a Union retreat. So he's got a gun that basically fits him. Like a sawed off. It's What's an actual gun. What's his first name? Uh, John Lincoln. Johnny's got Club. a gun. Yeah, there it is. Trim just to his size. <laughs> the musket's being something. Smaller rise. <laughs> he was a fighting them to save them from the slavery. Ooh. There was a little bayonet that was just like a dinner <laughs> knife. Just a cute little thing. Anyway, yeah, it was still somehow Steven Tyler's daughter dancing to that song. <laughs> she has a name. Say her name. Her name is Liv. Anyway, uh, in the course of a Union retreat, he shot a Confederate colonel who demanded his surrender. Whoa. So he shot a grown man and the now drummer boy of Chickamauga, as he has become mm-hmm. known. So he's already had a song written after him that yeah. for a battle that he Johnny's wasn't even Johnny's got at. a gun by Aerosmith. <laughs> and then the drummer boy of Chickamauga is his new nickname. He's promoted to sergeant. So he does become the youngest soldier ever to be a non-commissioned officer in the Army. Salmon P. Chase, who was the Secretary of the Treasury at the oh, time, yeah. sure. mm-hmm. decorated him for a lot his of heroics. A lot of, yes. <laughs> who was the president that, with Salmon P. Chase? Uh, that would I think there been, were multiple. I think Sam yeah. P. Chase was around. He for was a there while. for a while. Uh, yeah, and he but became Lincoln because Sam P. Chase yes. was part of the uh, John Wilkes Booth conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, coup. yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam and Chase eventually became uh, Chief Justice as well. But yeah, he was the Treasury under Lincoln at, at one point, uh, Secretary of the Treasury. Anyway, so he is then captured in 1863 in Georgia by con- the entire time. I have an 11 year old right now. And the entire time, I'm just imagining my 11-year-old in all of this. Yeah. I, I definitely could see him holding a gun to a colonel's face and being yeah. like, yeah, do something. Yeah, do something. Yeah. Uh, he's captured by Confederate cavalrymen in Georgia. They take his uniform, including his hat, which had three bullet holes in it. Oh. Uh, so this kid saw some action, which apparently when they took his hat, it really ticked him off. Or he um, shot him. <laughs> or he just faked it. Yeah. Yeah. He shot his own hat. Uh, there was a prisoner exchange a little while later. Confederate newspapers used his age and celebrity status to basically, uh, it was propaganda against the Yankees to be like, look who they're putting up against us. Hold on. No. Yeah. He's 11. He definitely shot his own hat. You think, he's you 11. Think so? Yeah. No. He wanted people to think he got shot at. He's an, if he's a typical 11 year old. Well, granted, 11 in 1861 with inflation, it's like 31, 31 32. 32. Yeah. You've already lived <laughs> half your career. Like, wow, you made it to double digits. Yeah. Is, was yeah. the drummer boy yes. in front? Uh, 
That's a good question. Where I, is the drummer boy? Because I mean, yeah, there were drummer boys in, I mean, back in the Revolutionary War. So it was weird, too. like, even in the Civil War, they were still doing a lot of, like, frontal assaults. They The Civil War was the first time where they really started exploring things like doing, um, uh, like... Flanking. A, a flanking maneuver. Uh-huh. And even at the time, it was considered cowardly because, like, the Revolutionary War tactics were all frontal assault. Yep. It wasn't even really a frontal assault. It was really just get on line and fire. Yeah. So the concept of, like, hiding behind a tree as yep. cover right. was considered cowardly. And so a flanking maneuver, which I think Chamberlain invented. Really? I, I'm pretty sure. I could be totally off base on that. And if I am, somebody's in their car. Rob Waite. Rob Waite. Syracuse yeah. Shout is out to Rob. going to be screaming at me for the getting <laughs> this wrong. But because Chamberlain's from Vermont, from his part of the, the country. Okay. Okay. Um, right. We're talking Neville Chamberlain here, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's Wilt. Yeah, yeah you're um, right. So the the flanking maneuver was kind of invented in in the Civil War, but if you look at like battlefield tactics over like the course of history, every war begins with the previous war's battlefield tactics, and then as that war mm. progresses, mm. the new tactic comes out. Okay, and so like we went from that, and then I mean we had some small conflicts, and then you go to the World War One, that's all trench warfare. Yeah, and then you go World War Two, where everybody's like really focus on trench warfare and then it evolves into like kind of modern day tactics got it and a lot of our modern day tactics still to this day still doctrinally to the book were made by lieutenant colonel winters from band of brothers oh yeah. like sure. that there's a episode of band of brothers where they like take out a trench mm-hmm. like i don't know if you remember that like yeah. they go through he ta- he's like hey we're gonna do this we're gonna go through the trench and then on the other side there's this like famous scene in band of brothers where he like yeah. pops up and he sees the guy and he shoots him yep i haven't seen it in a while but i know what you're talking you know about. exactly yeah. what sure. scene i'm sure. talking about because yeah. there's like the dude stands up and he looks over and he shoots him well that trench scene where he's going through disabling all of the uh artillery mm-hmm. ra- or uh, mich- the uh guns yeah yeah that's still to this day. Oh shoot! Which one is it? I think it's Battle Drill Five, which is how to enter and clear a trench. Cool. Still to this day, doctrine that nice. Lieutenant Colonel Winters wrote. Is that still a tactic that's used? Well, I mean, we haven't fought trench warfare in forever, but yeah. I can say when I went through officer, well, for infantry basic officer leadership course, which is what you do right after you commission, if you're an infantry officer, you spend an entire week on that. Hmm. We spent wow. an entire week on uh, inner and clear trench, and I, I'm going to catch flack for not remembering which battle drill that is. I think it's five, but there's yeah, a totally. very specific doctrine. Like you're supposed to enter this way. There's supposed to be two people that come in and clear each side of the trench, and as you're going through, you're supposed to put a grenade into the guns. Wow, to disable them. Like that's that goes back to 1944, 1945, wow. whatever. Gosh. So and you got to think, was he, was some of that improvised that became doctrine? Oh, no. He, well, I mean, I guess, you know, history rewrites itself, right? But yeah. like, according to the story, they yeah. came up to a trench and Captain Winters at the time was yeah. like, here's how we do it. Cool. And here's it was executed. So, it. yeah, it was executed so well that became doctrine. That cool. became how you're supposed to got it. enter and clear a trench. Sweet. So I don't remember how we started that. 
Because there was something um, about like, oh, Russ was the drummer, the drummer boy yeah. Yeah, on the front? Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the drummer was. So what it was supposed to be was like the drummer and the flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the time, it was not the American flag that everybody wants it was like to be. Like the regimental like, cover. Oh, they kept the American flag up. Like in the Civil War, it wasn't. It was your regimental flag for yeah. your state. And now it's called a guidon. That's what okay. we call it. And like it flies out in, or you post it out in front of wherever you are. Yep. Right. And so it's. Shaped like a, let's see, it's shaped like, I think it's a Dominican flag. So instead of being a square, uh-huh. like on gotcha. one end, it comes in. Yeah. And then there's, for an infantry unit, there's cross rifles. And then it'll be like Seco on the bottom with one, your regimental affiliation on the left. And then for me, it's 151 on the top. That's your battalion. Cool. So that's that's how they identify now. And you're supposed to take that everywhere. And there's still to this day a lot of pride around your guide on, right? Yeah. So if you're doing like a battalion ruck march, your guide on is at the front of your company. Sweet. And what you'll do is like you'll take your like most fit dude and you'll be like, hey, grab the guide on and run a circle around the entire battalion. Yeah. And when other companies see you do that, They'll either come try to tackle you and take your guide on, <laughs> or they'll send their guy out cool. to try to beat your guy around like a duck, duck, goose scenario. Sweet. But there's huh. also like, you've got to ha- always have somebody watching your guide on because like, yeah. we're always trying to steal other people's guide ons. Yeah. Like if we're at JRTC or at a, like a training event and the guide on is just left out unsecured, we're going to steal that shit. Please believe we'll steal Like, <laughs> So was the... If somebody in battle is carrying the guidon and they get shot, somebody else, somebody picks, else it picks it up. Yeah. So here's my question. If the drummer boy gets shot, does somebody else pick up the drum and keep I don't know. I would assume, forward with that? I would assume so. What if they don't know how to play the drums? You just give it your the college try, right? You just I don't know. That's a good question. It's a really good question. You just what if they don't have rhythm? That's not easy for some people. What if they don't have rhythm? And there's bullets flying past their head. I feel like it's just divinely inspired into you at that point. Okay. (laughs) Got to find some sticks. Hopefully there's not a big hole in the drum. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's how vocal percussion You just play on the rim then. Maybe that's how beatboxing again. Or like, yeah, Biz (laughs) Barkey walks up and just starts... (laughs) (laughs) The general on the horse is like, what are you doing? He's like, no, they're going to love it in 150 years. Your great great grandchildren will love this. <laughs> love this. That's a great image. <laughs> it's just the thirteen-year-old Union <laughs> Army beatboxer. No, one like, of the fat boys. The dude just runs up and starts beatboxing it, and the general was like, "You, you got what I need." <laughs> oh my god! That's a wonderful mental image. That is fantastic. That's like a Key and Peele sketch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He is discharged in 1864. He's been wounded a couple times. He graduates from high school after the war in 1870. <laughs> 1870 <laughs> is when he graduates from high school. He then goes on to be captain of the Washington Rifles uh, in the District of Columbia. It's a militia unit. He tries to get into West Point, but he fails the entrance exam. So <laughs> President Grant yeah. appoints him second lieutenant in the 24th Infantry Regiment in late 1871. Hiram. Uh, he then, yeah, Hiram, Ohio. Uh, he gets promoted. No, first Hiram name. is his first name. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. his first name. No, Hiram was his dad? 
No, his it? first name was Hiram, Hiram. Ulysses. Yeah, because yeah, it Hug. said Hug. Yeah, that's right. My bad. He goes on to become first lieutenant. He graduates from artillery school at Fort Monroe. He gets promoted to captain, and then he enters into the quartermaster department, and he serves during the Spanish-American War. He's the chief quartermaster in San Juan. Uh, in Puerto oh, Rico, yeah. gets promoted to lieutenant colonel, then colonel in 1903. He then... 23. <laughs> closes out his career, I believe, in Sam uh, Fort Sam Houston in Texas. Um, he's the chief quartermaster there for about five years in the early 1900s. Uh, he, re- he reached the mandatory retirement age of 64 on August 13th, 1915. So he served for 50 years? When he, was re- when he retired and promoted to the rank of brigadier general. That was That was the custom that if you basically retired at the rank of colonel at, by the end of the Civil War, you would get promoted so to the rank of brigadier. So he served for 50 years and only got one star? He was the last veteran of the American Civil War serving in the Army at the time of his retirement. <sighs> yeah, but that tells me he didn't do a whole lot in his career. If he made it 50 years and only got one star. Well, I mean, I guess, like, who am I to talk crap about him? But All good. Uh, he lived in Washington, <laughs> yeah, D.C. He Later, he terrible. got, he got uh, married to the daughter of a Confederate veteran. Which Oof. led him to Yikes. claim that he was the, quote, most united American alive. Nope. That's not um, how that works. <laughs> most united American alive? Yeah. It um, doesn't even make any sense. No, anyway, it doesn't. Uh, he retired, lived in D.C. He, he would have stormed the Capitol on January 6th. <laughs> Died in San Antonio on May 13th, 1937. And John Lincoln Clem, the little drummer boy of Chickamauga, uh, is buried in Arlington National Cemetery with that description uh, it's Major General John Lincoln Clem. Brigadier the, General. Yes, I'm sorry. The the uh, the drummer boy of Chickamauga. You can wow. go see his grave there in Arlington. But, I uh, did know most of that story, but it was really refreshing to hear it. There, there. It's interesting. So the further we go into this, yeah. and as I'm like picking things, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I actually haven't had the thought I might pick something you knew or might mm-hmm. do. But I have had that thought with Russ like, a couple of times. Yeah. It seems like a real burn. But like, I don't want to, no, it's not a burn, but yeah. it's more like, I don't want to say, Hey, do you know this thing? Yeah. Because it could give away the sure. story. I was a little nervous to share it <laughs> off the, out of the gate that it was the youngest non-commissioned. But officer. we're going to, that's going to start happening. Sure. Where yeah. we're going to start telling stories that you're like, Oh no, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Like the one guy I told you about earlier tonight, I felt like Russ just knew who okay. that was. Yeah. So I just chose not to do it. It's going to be interesting how we pick these because we're going to have to get more and more strategic Yep, around picking them (laughs) to where it's something that nobody else knows. Correct. So they're kind of like three mini bonus episodes in one. Yeah. Because we would have done like an entire bonus episode in the past on like a John Clem like character. I almost did a bonus episode on John Clem. That's cool. Now I kind of want to learn more about the drummer boys of the Civil War, the American Revolution. When it when the, when it stopped. Hey, fun fact: greatest drummer of all time. Go. Uh, greatest drummer. Of, uh, I guess that's not a fun fact. I but mean, like the put you on the spot. Oh, gosh. Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder's wow, a good one. Wow, that is a good one. You yeah. want to know mine? Karen Carpenter. Wow. Really? Carpenter. Yeah, dude. Uh, Go look up Karen Carpenter playing drums. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. Probably. I mean, Neil Peart was the first one that came to my mind when sure. you said it. That's fair. Yeah, probably say that. Neil Even though I'm not a huge Rush fan, I just like, that's kind of the standard. It's funny because when I asked the question, the two people in my head were Stevie Wonder and Karen Carpenter. Because um, yeah. nobody yeah. knows Stevie Wonder. I, I mean, I guess as long as you set everything up 
Right. I mean, he can see. Buddy Rich, yeah, though, he also. Can, he can see. Definitely Buddy Rich is Buddy good. Rich. Yeah. Buddy Rich is good. Watch Karen Carpenter. She grew up a classically trained jazz drummer. Yeah. She's amazing. A rupa pum pum. Uh, Dude. A little known musician, Phil Collins. Ah, come on now. <laughs> Phil had to have the drumstick, like, literally taped around his arm because he's got neurological damage from being a drummer for so long. Like a wooden wow. spoon? Yeah. Like, it's taped onto his hand. Like, he... It, yeah. Anyway. Oh, I have... A, yeah, it'll all, be a few. You have episode. all the questions. I, don't I have a no. I have a. Yeah. Never mind. Let's keep going. All right. Okay. So we take a break. You want to take a break? And we yeah. come back. You go next. I'll go last. Okay. Right. Cool. And we'll switch up the order next episode. All right. We'll be right back with more presequential podcasts right after this. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back. All right, producer Russ is now going to drop some knowledge on us. What you got, Russ? Tonight I am talking about Grady Styles Jr. Grady? Grady, G-R-A-D-Y. Okay. All right, Styles Jr. He was born in 1937 with a deformity called ectrodactyl. Uh, something about his fingers? Uh, the toes? Yeah, it's it's actually the How translates it translates to finger abortion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that just became totally <laughs> illegal here. Yeah. <laughs> Ectrodactyl is E-C-T-R-O-D-A-C-T-Y-L-Y. Okay. If you read it, it doesn't make any because sense. Because I gotta. <laughs> so. It's a genetic a, condition yes, in which is. a person's fingers and or toes are fused together. Oh, so kind of like a like a web. Why would it be called abortion then? Is it like a flipper? No. This gives the appearance of a claw-like hand or foot. Or, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I want to look this up. Ectrodactylism? Yeah. Okay. This actually ran in Grady's family for like several generations. Oh, boy. They all had this like, okay. claw-like hand. This is unique. Yeah, it's yeah. like uh, a claw-like hand. Come, and then come they, take a peek. And then Michael Phelps. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. Yeah. That's you not get it? at all what I... Okay. So okay, yeah, that doesn't look at all. No, it I was, was imagining a flipper. It is just it's a more crab like a hand. It's a claw. Yeah, it's a lobster hand. It's a lot. Yeah, yeah. We're, yeah. Little, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Go ahead and Google it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad uh, you're using this story. My story is going to tie into this. Okay. So, like I said, it ran in his family for several generations, going back like 130 years. They were wow. all claw handed. People. Okay. Um, his father had the condition, and he performed in a carnival sideshow. He was okay. a sideshow attraction. Okay. Can't uh, imagine why. Yeah. He brought Grady into his act when he was just seven years old. Oh, okay. As the lobster boy. The lobster boy. Good yeah. job, Blaine. Grady Styles Jr. 
was better known as the Lobster Boy. Mm. Was yep. Grady's son Harry? Oh. Were they making Were they making <laughs> yeah. songs for a it Chinese was. restaurant? Mm-hmm. That's why Harry Styles never shows his hands. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you he never see him famously. They're always behind his back, or they're in gloves. I don't know. All right, gloves. <laughs> so it mittens, affected mittens. Yeah. Mittens covered up better. This condition affected his hands and his feet, so he really what? couldn't use his. He couldn't walk properly. Yeah, right. How, sure. Yeah, how would you walk with those hands? He like, got look around. It up. Seriously, like. Take whatever word Russ said. Ectrodactylism. Do your best in Google, because Brian just did. And I don't know how you. Yeah, it's like a Lego man hand. Yes, that's exactly. It it looks like a Lego man. It's like a Lego man or like a lobster. And his feet look like that too. Yes. Okay. He got around bananas. He got around using a wheelchair or by crawling, dragging himself with his formidable upper body strength. So he yeah, sure. spent a lot of time yeah, working on his upper body. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, he has those. Okay. Pinchers. Yeah. 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 just did the pinching motion. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. he and his dad traveled around with the carnivals and the freak show. Yeah. We can still say freak show. Freak show. You can. Yeah. yeah. I can because it's historical. So while he sometimes used a wheelchair, he most commonly used his hands and arms for locomotion. Everybody's locomotion? doing it. Everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. Come on, baby, do the locomotion. Randy's got some work to do <laughs> to, on the playlist. Everybody's yeah. walking like a little lobster. Come on, baby, do the lobster motion. <laughs> he was also an alcoholic no. and <laughs> had a bad temper, had like a super bad temper. <laughs> Blaine almost spit took his mill his Miller light there. I kinda waited for the drink. Although just he imagining probably, him he just with had his a, lobster hands just grabbing him and give me that. Yeah. He had a great grip though. Yeah, I would oh, imagine. I'm sure. Yeah. I was well earlier I was trying to figure out a joke with like the claw machine. Yeah. Sure. Like I bet you that dude was so good at yeah. getting like uh the fuzzy toys. What do you call them? Beanie babies. Beanie baby, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah well, at the was. time, I don't know if they had he that. Probably wouldn't be good if his he hand had to, like, into the machine though, right? Could he? What? Well, no, his hand was the machine. Have you seen the the, the videos where like kids like climb into the claw machine? Yeah, and then they, they get trapped. stuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're not scared at all. They're just like, no. They're just like, like I'm in heaven. They're just yeah. doing snow angels and you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he had a bad temper. He was an alcoholic, which made him dangerous to others. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> which would be true if you didn't have lobster hands. Yeah, that's okay. true. Like he was. He was a bad guy. So he's from Boston. Yeah. Got it. Hey, lobster hands. <laughs> Look at this guy over here. Bad temper, alcoholic. <laughs> uh, he's a Boston Irish American. And loves lobster. <laughs> I wonder if he ate lobster. It was just like, I'm never eating that. <laughs> yeah, he was, or felt what bad for him. He might, I, no, he probably had it, a lot of no, empathy for it. It wasn't that he ate lobster like, or... Or that he was like, I'm never eating that. There were multiple times where he had the the like the lobster crab claw cracker mm-hmm. cracker things, and he just held them over his fingers while he was drunk at night. <laughs> like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> or when See he ate lobster, he there. didn't need the crackers yeah. at all. No. He was like, just no. gives it back to the waiter. No. He's like, I can do this myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very meta, built in. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> when he grew up, he married another employee of the carnival. Mary Herzog, the bearded okay. lady. Uh, she wasn't a carnival act. She was like a oh. ticket taker. Okay. Until later when she became electrified girl. 
Okay. Yeah. I couldn't find a whole lot on Electrified Girl other than she would like hold light bulbs near her skin and somehow they would start. Huh. It was a trick. I mean. Sure. Had to be. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't a real freak. I thought you were going to say like, did they get married and then their child had something else that was. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. It was lighted claws. Yeah. (laughs) Neon claws. Yeah. No, they they did have two children together, Donna and Kathy. <laughs> I bet you sh- what Donna and Kathy. Donna, they love that. chocolate. That's amazing. They were obsessed they, with yeah, chocolate. They just basically were like Karen one, Karen two. <laughs> yeah. So Styles was actually married twice and had four children, two of whom had ectrodactyl. How big was his wedding ring? Oh, that's a good question. That is a very good question. I mean, Maybe they just did something else that was symbolic. Yeah, like high tude. Yeah, or just took a Sharpie and drew like a... Tattoo. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, it yeah. could have tattooed mm-hmm. the um, fing- fingers. Yeah, yeah. Fingers? Finger. Finger. Finger claws. Finger claws. Finger claws. <laughs> finger claws. Um, I want to see this guy's baseball and glove. they called him finger claws. <laughs> here comes finger claws, here comes finger claws. Down finger claws lane. Both of his two of his four children had finger claws, mm-hmm. and so he toured with them as the Did Lobster they, Family. Oh, they ever go to they ever go to New York, Newark, Ohio? <laughs> Probably <laughs> the Lobster Family. The Lobster Family. Aww. Yeah, the uh, Lobster Family. What would they do? They do, 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 do. can't snap. <laughs> yeah, do 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 can't snap. Just, just a lot of this. I think they would just like sit there. They probably like doing my best to make the sound. <laughs> they probably like smoke cigarettes. We or have something. great microphones. Like, Thank you they? to Greeks Pizza. It's our taste. I think a lot of like sideshow would do other stuff. Yeah. Like I remember Chang and Ang, the Siamese twins. They'd oh like, yeah, they'd like, they'd like play piano, yeah. but he didn't do anything. No, he just sat and chilled. Yeah, and I think his kids. They probably like smoked and drank. And How do you get just, a cigarette between those? How can you not get a cigarette between? Well, I guess that's like the yeah. easiest thing to do. Yeah. yeah, hold one thing. Yeah, that's a good point. You he was doing like, the live long probably and the best at holding one thing. Mm. That's where Leonard Nimoy got the idea for really? <laughs> live long lobster and prosper. Boy. Yeah. Wow. Live long and lobster. So when they weren't, it's good. When they weren't touring, mm-hmm. the Styles family lived in Gibsonton, Florida. Have you heard of Gibsonton, Florida? I've uh, not. Yeah, Gibsonton Fieldville. I think it's Florida called. Man. It's either called Showcase, Florida, or Showtown, Florida. It's where all of the circus sideshow would live. Gibson? It was a town. Oh, so it was in like Florida. It's the Peru, Indiana of Florida. Yeah, but What's it was where all the Gibson what. It was Gibson, Gibsonton, Gibsonton Fieldville, Florida. Yeah, okay, and it's like some guy created this town, and they like yeah, so all that's, the no, no. I'm not kidding. All the counters Peru, are Indiana. low. Peru, Indiana, and um, it's not Miami. No, it is Miami County. That's where like the circus is, Peru circus. and that's like where they all lived yeah. in the off season. Yeah. So this is the warmer climate of Peru, yeah. Indiana. Oh, Got it's it. by, uh, I think it's by Tampa? Yeah, it's by Tampa. Yeah. Oh, we go there, like, we go to Bradenton every year. I've got to visit I think it's called, place. like, they shorten the name to, like, Gibbs, Florida or something. I don't want to get too ahead of the game, but there is something in Gibsonton that is 
related to freak shows and the yeah, there's a whole town. clearly it's called the showman's the whole town, right? The showman's museum. Russ yeah. has already established there's something yeah. in Gibson's and yeah. related to the freak shows. I was, so I was you don't have up. to get you're behind the game. So that's where I'm they sorry. would live when during the winter season. I guess that's the circus off season. Yeah. When huh. he was in Gibson, Florida, and when he was touring, incidentally. He would abuse his wife and children with particular... An alcoholic? Fo- yeah. Abuse yeah. his wife and... Shocking. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. With particular focus on his daughter, Donna. Mm. He had another daughter, Donna. That Not was Kathy. one of the four. I don't think she was... Ack. She Donna. had finger claws. I think she, she was non-finger claws. Every time you say finger claws, Ack. I think of Santa just, just lobster claws. Yeah. Just a I just like that you Santa. only pick this because of how much you hate the comic Kathy. I do. I do. It's a really like for, a terrible for those comic. of you who don't know at home. To get the Russ doesn't hate anything more than the comic Kathy. I really don't like it. Like I really don't. I feel like you. It only was a joke at first, but because then I, I read some of them and Ack. they're all the same and they're terrible. I just imagine Finger Claws trying to get the cookies and milk off the plate. He's so <laughs> mad. I, but I bet you, like, there was presents. a reason. There was a reason she stayed. Mm. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, she stayed until he kicked them all out. Like he, oh, he kicked them out with his lobster foot. Yeah. After many beatings, he threw Mary and the children out. That's a terrible God, sentence. That's horrible. Yeah. So. Mary left and started shacking up with Harry Glenn Newman. Okay. Harry, do you know, do you know Glenn, who that is? Harry, Harry Styles? Harry Glenn Newman. Harry Glenn Newman was the grandfather of John Glenn, who... Oh, that'd be something. No, John Newman. No, wait, no. Uh, Newman, Newman. Randy Newman. Newman. Randy, Randy Newman's Newman. dad? Rand. No. He was billed as the smallest man in the world. The, the mighty Adam. <laughs> so a... A lobster man spawn. No, no, no his wife. No, have. his wife left him for the smallest, smallest man, man in the world. world. Wow. So clearly, those hands children. weren't as much magic as wow. we thought. Yeah, and as it's not thought. the size; it's the motion in the ocean. Yeah, That's right. Lobster. She was. She was attracted to like his personality, his heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Clearly. Yeah. So Grady, after that, eventually filed for divorce, and. And won custody of the children due to Mary not attending court. Oh, Mary. Wait, Lobster Man has the kids now. Lobster Man has the kids. Is he a Florida Lobster Man now? Yeah. Okay. He's Florida. This is all very Florida. It's it's giving Florida. It's going to give a lot of Florida. Yeah. After that, then Grady married Barbara Browning, who produced another child with Lobster Syndrome Mm. named Grady the Third. We've never called it lobster syndrome until this time, and I love that. Lobster syndrome. Lobster syndrome. LS. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I now consider myself <laughs> the luckiest man on the face of the planet that just, has lobster syndrome. I just had a mental picture where you've got a baby. I'm with- picturing a man with lobster claws doing the speech of Lou Gehrig. Oh, yeah. Sitting I consider the- myself the luckiest man on the face of the the he takes round. his hat off with his lobster claws and throws a baseball, <laughs> like, like, like George Bush <laughs> in, his, in his wheelchair. <laughs> I just pictured: What do you get a, a family who's had a baby with lobster syndrome? 
and you get them butter just cheddar bay biscuits <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, all of the cheddar so, bay biscuits you can eat yeah those are really good i feel they, i feel they really are they're really really this good. is actually like a condition though that's still out there though correct cheddar like, bay biscuit no 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 ectrodactylism <laughs> yeah it's still out there. Yeah. Cheddar Bay biscuits yeah. still exist. Yeah, and those are You think they too. could just like laser fingers in there, you sure. know, like laser it apart. Or 3D print something. Mm-hmm. So then soon after his marriage to uh, Barbara Browning, Donna ran away. The daughter. The daughter. The one he really kind of focused his aggression. temperament on. Yeah, aggression yeah. on. She ran away. She's uh, non-lobster? She's non-lobster. Okay. And she she was 15 years old. She shacked up with some 18-year-old guy. Okay. Uh, whose name I don't have here. 15 I don't think. with all the langes. 15 and life to go. <laughs> uh, Skid Row. 18 and life. Thank you. 15 with all phalanges, <laughs> 15 in life to go. No, it's not Skid Row. I love the word phalanges. That's rat. So that's that's rat. 18 in life is rat. Yeah. So. so she ran off. He hired a private investigator to wow. track her down. Wow. And he did. Was it a Pinkerton? I, I don't know. I, think, I don't think this was. is that long ago at this point now. This yeah. is like No, it's 70s. not like the Pinkertons. Pinkertons what, still yeah, are around. What era is this? Hmm. I don't know, like it, the seventies. This is the nineteen seventies. Yeah, yeah Pinkertons were still definitely a thing oh, wow. in the seventies. Yeah, they're still a thing now. What are you talking I, about? I don't, I did not know that yeah. at all. I figured they were. I don't know what I thought. I don't know. Anyway, not much. So he he finds her. He <laughs> tracks him. her down. <laughs> she. They were founded one hundred seventy-three years ago in Chicago. The Pinkertons okay. were. Yeah, they're yeah. still they're still around, I guess. Well, I told you. I just said that. I, God, I believe you. you. I didn't just need, didn't. You'd have to beat like that up. They, uh, they foiled, they foiled the Brady plot. Styles. Pinkerton himself, Alan Pinkerton, uh, foiled the Baltimore plot to assassinate Lincoln. Yeah, the Alan Pinkerton Project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, From Springfield, <laughs> Illinois, six foot three. Abraham Lincoln. Go ahead, Russ. Lobsters. I was enjoying that. Oh, you know, there's words to that song. Yeah, I did. Like two and a half minutes in, they start singing. Yeah, Grady did not approve of Donna's fiance. I could imagine she told him to keep like Grady from going and you know beating him up. Yes. She told him that she was pregnant, and that's why he and wanted Grady's to marry her. the smallest man on the planet, right? No, 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 no. The <laughs> second husband was. Grady's a sizable guy with lobster okay. claws. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's... Yeah, yeah. Lost the so sizable she told Grady that... <laughs> she told Grady she was pregnant. That's why he, w- he wanted to do the right thing. Sure. And, and marry like, her. How? How? He's so small. How did you get pregnant? <laughs> so they came back. And the night before the wedding, Grady asked the fiance to like have a heart to heart with him while the girls were in the front yard. Oh. Girls in the front yard, they hear gunshots. Oh, wow. Grady had shot him like point blank in the chest, killed the fiance. Wow. With his, I don't know, with the little one or the big one? I don't know. His mouth? I don't How know. do you keep it like steady? If you only had, so you'd have to have one yeah. phalange in the back. 
yeah. one phalange through the trigger well. You'd have to use your <laughs> other hand yeah. as support. Maybe he had a custom gun. I doubt it. Well, no, actually, I don't doubt it. They live in Florida. Yeah. This yeah. is all happening in Florida. Okay. So he kills the fiance. He gets first degree murder. Yes. He goes on trial in 1978 in Pittsburgh. He was taken to trial where he openly admitted his guilt. Oh, and was convicted of third degree murder. What? Okay. What's third degree murder? I don't know. Not premeditated. So first degree, I think, is like premeditated, thought out, done. I think second degree is like not premeditated, but still like intentional. Yeah, intentional. And I think third degree is the uh, like in the heat of the moment. Voluntary manslaughter. Way off. I just made that crime of passion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just made it up. Yeah, okay, okay I could see. Am it. I right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Look at me go. Any intentional killing that involves no prior intent to kill. This guy. So third degree true. murder would have been what uh, old Dan Sickles got against uh, Francis Bacon. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yep. I remember that story. Yep. So Grady's character witnesses in the trial included his friends from the circus, including the bearded lady. A carnival dwarf and the fat man. <laughs> Just imagining the, Just the uh, prosecutor man. being like, "This trial's become a circus." <laughs> man, the fat man. Like how? God, that's got. Yeah, be the now now that's one. just a TLC show. Yeah. <laughs> Although, seeing as there were no state institutions equipped to deal with his physical impairment, which was exacerbated by, like, emphysema and cirrhosis, he was given 15 years probation for murder. Wow. Yeah. Crazy, right? Wow. Yeah. And he showed, like, there was, like, a media circus afterwards, and he showed no remorse at all. He was like, I'm guilty of it. I did it. And he, they he basically let him off. looks like Wally Beaver. But with we looked him up. How did you find this story, Russ? I don't know. That's Russ. Just doing Russ things. Yeah, Yeah. apparently something like that. It was later revealed that Donna wasn't pregnant at all. It was just an excuse. Perfect. Yeah. Classic Uh, Donna. After he got out and was free, he really began to drink heavily again. And he often boasted like he got away with murder. So it was 1992 when Mary and her son approached a classmate with gang ties, a 17-year-old Chris Wyant, offering him $1,500 to kill Grady. Wow. Who was 55 years of age at the time. So they, they'd, like, murder for hire. Like, yeah. they want this guy dead. Yeah. He was shot in the back of the head as he sat in his underwear in his trailer. Yeah, so he was that killed. That checks out. I mean, yeah, he's yeah. in he Florida, was and he's a former freak show guy. He was caught. Mary's son, known as Glenn, had an IQ of 79, and when questioned by police, he broke down and, you know, failed a lie detector test and told everything about the murder for hire and all that stuff. Wyant, the 17-year-old assassin, yeah. was sentenced to 27 years of second-degree murder. Glenn, the one with the low IQ, was uh, named to be the mastermind of the entire thing. And he was sentenced to life in prison while his mother was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder for 12 years. So... Lobster man was shot. Everybody went to jail. He kills somebody and he gets probation. And after all that, due to being so loathed by the community, no one offered to serve as a pallbearer 
for Gradius' funeral, and even his simple headstone bears no epitaph. The only marking is an engraving of claw hands. Mm. Oh, where? Where? I assume in, like, Tampa. I assume in Florida. Okay. Gibson. I'm going to find it. Yeah. Man. Story of Grady Styles. Ectrodactylism would be a great pallbearer, though, if you think about yeah. it. I'd be like if, the if, perfect grip. If they were, yeah, if they were shrunk. Right what now. if the smallest man in the world was one of the pallbearers and one of the oh. tallest men in the world was one of the pallbearers? It would just be like slanted. It's comedy. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. That'd be fun. Yeah. And the fat man. Russ. Santa um, Claus. Thank you? Yeah. That was Lobster intriguing. Boy. Now I know about ectrodactylism and this really insane story. Yeah. We're going to take another break for Blaine. Yeah. And for you and for Lobster Boy. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Blaine. Veteran suicide is a huge issue within the veteran community. Through different experiences, too many of our brothers and sisters have gone down this road, and the team at Vets Lives Matter is working to combat this issue. Vets Lives Matter is a cohort of veteran and civilians working on a mission to enhance veterans' lives. By teaming up with local veteran nonprofits across the country through a combination of physical challenges and fundraising efforts, we will end veteran suicide. Be sure to follow on all social media platforms at Vets Lives Matter to learn how to donate and participate in challenges in your community. Together, we will beat this. Hey, welcome back. Blaine now has the floor. July 28th, 1945. July 28th, 1945. Okay. Betty Lou Oliver was a 20-year-old elevator operator. Not unlike Courtney Barnett. I don't know the, who Courtney Barnett uh, is. She has a song called Elevator Operator. Oh, didn't know yeah, that. It's I a great song. Either. I strongly suggest it. Um, she was starting her last day on the job in the Empire State Building. Okay. Oh, same day, Captain William Smith was flying a B-25 bomber. Uh-oh. Or service bomber. Through New York, transporting servicemen to LaGuardia. Okay. Okay. The fog was very thick, hmm. and Captain Smith was disoriented mm. and made a wrong turn. Oh. At Albuquerque? Oh. Directly into the Empire State Building. Yikes. He crashed into the 79th floor. Betty Lou was on the 80th floor. Oh. oh. Well, that can't be good. She was thrown through the air. And badly burned by the heat and the flames from the impact, but somehow survived. Wow. Fourteen others didn't. Wow. How did she survive that? Like, she was one floor up. That doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah. Yeah. And we're talking, like, in a, in a post-9-11 world. In a world. In a world. No, like, think about Pre-9-11 this. Pre-9-11 world. Like, yeah. like now. We're, no, we're thinking oh, yes, about this yes, story yes. in a post-9-11 world. Yes. But in 1945, in the middle of World War II, mm. one of our own bombers hit the Empire State Building. Wow. Which was, at the time, the largest or the tallest building in the world. Wow. Emergency personnel come in to start the rescue process. And they put her on a gurney or a stretcher. They move her in an elevator to be evacuated. Right as they got onto the elevator, the cable snapped. Oh, gosh. Oh, and they dropped 79 floors. <laughs> they were just floating in the air, right? Yeah. Roughly 1,000 like feet, and she survived again. What? How? <laughs> what? Because the cable snapped underneath her. And coiled underneath, so when the elevator like hit it, oh, it like caused enough that. like 
resistance, damper yeah, resistance yeah. Sure, sure. to keep her alive. Wow. Wow. What about the other two? They died. Oddly enough, Captain Smith's body wasn't found for two days later, and it was found at the bottom of an elevator shaft. Oh, so he was the reason she didn't... Like, I don't the, know. She smashed I, like, on the body? The, the story didn't tell that. No, that's, um, that's what and, happened. Like, I knew this was a super... Like, we're, we're rapidly wow. reaching the end of the story. Wow. Like, this is so, the most facts I have about okay. it. Okay. This woman survived a plane crashing in a floor under her built or where she was yeah, in yeah. the building, and then a thousand foot drop in an elevator. That's wild, man. What's that, the name? What, who's this woman? What, what was her name? Betty Lou Oliver. She wow. holds the Guinness Book of World Records record for largest elevator drop without dying. Gosh. Do you think the gurney? Okay. Do you think the gurney was on wheels, or they were holding her? Like two guys were holding. No, I'm her. sure. Once they got in the elevator, they were like, "Let's put this down." Do you think? There's no way they're just like, "Let's hold this." Because I'm no trying reason. to think how she survived, right? And if she's laying down, mm-hmm. that's better than standing up, I assume, because your weight is distributed. It didn't and say if- anybody else on the elevator died either. Oh wow! So I think everybody on the elevator survived <sighs> because wow. they smashed well, on. But I don't know though, because if she's the world record holder, yeah. And the other people on the elevator weren't. Yeah, I bet they were holding it. Yeah. And they served as another, like, Like, whatever, like shocks. Shock absorber. Yeah, human shock absorbers. Like I said, she was the Guinness record holder, longest survived elevator fall. Wow. She married. She had three children. She lived a full life in Arizona. Wow. Wow. Died at the age of 74 in 1999. That's crazy. That is crazy. I would... I'd really like to know like the physics behind that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't understand them, but Isn't I'd that like banana? to tell As soon them to as me. I found out that this woman survived a plane crash into her building and an elevator death fall, I was like, this has to be on the episode, but it's a very short story. It's fine. And so I wanted to throw it in. Do we know how many floors were in the Empire State Building? At the time? Yeah. Well, I guess it'd be the same as now. I don't know. We can look it up. More than But like 80. at the time I it, I do know that at the time it was the tallest building in the world. Wow. That's that, crazy. Like, She's like a superhero. And it was Seriously. her last day at work. Like yeah. she was just showing up. It's a real Danny Glover lethal weapon. Like he's oh, about to retire. I'm too then... old for this. <laughs> uh, yeah. 102 stories. Wow. So she was 3 quarters of the way up. Yeah. That's crazy, man survives and the article i read mentioned over and over captain smith was like one of the best pilots on the planet yeah he was really good at his job it just was the fog was too bad that day he got disoriented and ended up in the empire state building wow honestly i don't know how that didn't happen more often back then when there was like oh yeah how advanced were the instruments technology yeah Yeah. that's towards the end of the war too yeah yeah 45 Yeah. yeah 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 Wait, was that June of 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 forty five? It was July. Wow. Okay. He was all he was doing was transporting members or service members to LaGuardia. Okay. So that yeah. was like two months before the war, or like a month and a half away from the war being, because the Japanese surrendered officially in September. Yeah. So I'm I mean, I'm sure it like when he wow, took off, that was just business as usual. That's crazy. Like, let's man. get some people over to yeah. LaGuardia yeah. to do whatever. 14 people died. Of the 14, I 
think 11 of them were on the plane. Okay. So the majority of the people that died were on the on plane, plane, not sure. in the Gosh. Empire State Building. But what happened to the ones that were between 80 and 102? Well, maybe there had weren't to... any people there. Oh, like, yeah. it's, it's possible that, like... How that... do you remove the plane? Do you just, like, push it off the side? Probably disintegrated, I would think. Oh, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. But it's also weird that, like, in our now post nine eleven yeah, world, yeah, we didn't know that in nineteen forty five a plane correct crashed into the yeah, Empire State all. Building. Yeah. I didn't know that. In my head, I'm picturing it like a Jenga game, and they just like the thing like flew through and just like knocked the floor out. And just, okay, eighty one and seventy nine just went yeah. possible. But I it's also like it'd be pretty that. impressive. One of my best friends, his little brother, is a demolition engineer. And oh, so, like, so his cool. whole job, like, he lives up in Chicago when a company buys, like, a floor two of a high-rise. Yeah. He will demo an entire floor. Wow. And so he has to know the, like, engineering yeah. of, like, how to demo a floor without damaging the structure of the That's building. That's crazy. So, yeah. like, it's entirely possible that, like, the plane landed in just the right spot. And just, like, Wow. To not do anything. That's wild. Man, that's that's really a crazy story. Good story. Yeah. Friends, thank you for listening. And uh, if you want to support the podcast for more op- episodes, go to patreon.com slash presequential, or you can click the link in the show notes. Feel free to share this with one of your friends, too. We appreciate you listening, and we'll be back with more on the Presequential Podcast in just a couple weeks. <laughs>